We're in the next last week of our series where we're going through the priorities of our church, our, our vision statement, if you will. And we've, we've been doing that with we believe statements of uh, pulling out what, what we believe, what, what our five most important priorities are. And if our first one was worship. And we believe worship doesn't have to be boring. We believe worship is supposed to be something that draws us closer to God. It, we believe that all of us need to worship. We believe that worship is not about us. It's about, it's about God. Then we talked about the importance of children. We said we believe that children matter. That it, it, it's, children are not just a tool to get to the parents uh, children are not just something, uh, pawns that we use to manipulate our, our society. It's a, it, children matter because they have something of value to share with us, that, that we need them as much. We probably need them more than they need us. We need their spirit. We need their, we need their eyes. We need the faith that they have. We need their, their look on, on, on relationships and, and the world. Last week, while I was gone, which I need to thank uh, the youth group and, and Carly and, and those who were able to put that together, last week you had the youth group that came, and, and the belief statement for that is we believe that youth lead. So many times we, we have this, you know, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, but it's... Never mind. We, we have this, you know, there's that song, we believe the children are a future. And, and, and you know, that's, that's true. But we believe we don't have to wait till the future for children, for youth to lead us. We believe we need, we need their insight. That if, if, if the adults in our church had the same faith that some of our teens have, we wouldn't be sitting on our butts doing nothing. That if, that if we took as seriously the call to, to minister in the, in the name of Jesus as some of our, as some of our children and teens take, that, that we wouldn't be comfortable just showing up in church every once in a while. We believe that youth lead us. and we need, we need them in our church. We need to do everything we can to nurture them, to provide them opportunities. This last week I was... Uh, in uh, conference meetings and district meetings for the church. And there's a problem not only in Methodist church, but across the board in, 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 uh, in leadership for churches and clergy leadership. Back in the 1970s, uh, 35% of clergy were 35 and younger. When we got to the 80s, that dropped to 20%. In our present day, it's less than 5% of people are under the age of 35. That speaks about our church. That speaks about uh, the value that our culture puts on, on that. But they had people share. They had some of the young people share uh, that, that were in that age group of what brought them to a place where they were willing to do it. You know what, you know what they said? To a T, there were six of them that shared. To a T, the, th the, the things they said is, I came from a church where they made me feel like I was important. They gave me something to do. I got to get up and read a scripture. I got to, I got to help with the offering. I got to sing in a choir. I got to, the, but I came from a church that made me feel important. And the second thing was, there was some person in our church that even though I was obnoxious, even though I did, so, there was somebody in our church that saw potential in me and shared that with me. 
they affirmed who I was as God's creation. That's why we believe children matter. That's why we believe youth lead. That's why we need to give our best to invest in that. Well, this week we're going we're gonna to talk about our adult ministry. Uh, the, if you look at your bulletin, you see the, the statement for that. We believe we all need good friends. I'll let you know next week we'll end with we believe we can change the world. Uh, and uh, next week is a special Sunday. We have these Sundays every once in a while in the life of the church that sort of stand out as monumental moments. Uh, five years ago, when we were at Resort Ranch, and we had been gathering, and we had, we had started this dream of a church, and we had gotten people to come, but we weren't official yet, and so we, we stood up over at Resort Ranch, over at, uh, um, off of Pace Bend Road, w- with 139 people that said, you know what, I'm ready to commit myself to this. We want to be a part. We want to we make it official that we... We are a church. Well, that was five years ago. We've got a lot of new people now. We've, got, we've grown. We've seen things we couldn't have imagined then. We've got a new direction and stuff. So next week, a part of what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving you the opportunity to say, I want to be a part of what we're doing at Bee Creek United Methodist Church. And so uh, we're, we're going to have some things to do along with that. Uh, so I just want to encourage you to make it a priority to be here next week. It, it's going to be a, one of those uh, high-water marks in our church. It's going to be one of those things we refer back to uh, as a part of our history. And so I just encourage you to be a part of that. Along with that, if, you are looking, if you've been thinking about joining and you just have not wanted to get up here in front of everybody, uh, next week might be your week because there will be a lot of people getting up. And so it's not going to be just you, and it might take that pressure off. So I just want to let you know about that. But we are, our, our statement this morning is, we believe we all need good friends. This is, our, this is our adult ministry one. What we're talking about here is, what is it that we want to do with adults? And you might think, this is a weird thing to say, that we all believe we need good friends. And let me first tell you what we're not doing with adult ministry. Okay, that will help. I am not your personal cruise director, okay? The church's job is not to entertain you. The church's job is not to provide you a place to play cards, uh, not to provide you a place to, be, uh, to pass away boring moments of your life, not a place for you to, to, to get to do things that you can't, find, you can't sucker anybody else to do for you. That's not what the church is about. The church is a place where we learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're getting there. And where we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, that is the job of the church. To edify the believers by giving them the resources and the, and the encouragement and the, and the pathways where they might better live those two things out. That's what it means to be in ministry. So, for adult ministry, number one, the key word there is adult ministry. We, we want to give you a little bit of credit that you're adult minister, that, and for adults, that we don't have to do everything for you. That we can sort of say, this is what we would like to see, and then you're going you're gonna to make it happen. That's naive, I know. 
but I'm, I'm just that stupid that I think it might work if we, if we just took seriously adult and ministry and put those two things together. The number one way we think that adult ministry works is when people come into loving, caring relationships, transforming relationships that move them closer to God and move them closer to one another. And the primary way that we think that happens is in a small group environment, okay? And right now, half of you have clicked me off because you came from a church that did small groups, or you tried small groups before and that didn't work, and, or there was this person in your small group that they really were annoying and it just didn't work, or the person talked all the time in small group and you just didn't, and they were too high. I know all of that stuff, okay? I've been there. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, all right? We are not promoting a certain kind of small group environment. We are just saying you need to find a place to connect with other people, a place that brings you closer to Christ and a place that brings you closer to one another so that you can grow. What's happened in the church over the last century is we made church about a personal relationship, and you hear that a lot. My personal Lord and Savior my personal relationship with God. And, that, and I am not discounting that. That is very much a part of what God does for us. He knows my name. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strengths. He knows my hosts, my dreams. He has a plan for me. He died for my sins. He died so that I might be reconciled for him. There is a very personal aspect for that. But that is only half of the picture. The other half is that he wanted me to be a part of his body, that he wanted me to join him in ministry, that he wanted me to be a part of the body of Christ to transform the world, to, to be a, a transforming agent for the world. And so while there is a personal aspect to faith, there is also a corporate aspect to faith. And what has happened over the last century or so is we have thought that relationships with other people were just sort of a nuisance that if we had to do it, we would, but it's not something we really needed. Evidence of that in this church, we did a, a survey this summer to say, hey, how important is your faith? Oh, one out of 10, 10. How important is, how important is it that you change the world? 10. How important is it that you have a place in, in bringing people to Christ? 10. How often are you involved in Ministry with other people, zero. How often do you read your Bible? Zero. How often, how often are you with another group of people that get to encourage you at zero? How do you say this is that important, but you do nothing to, to involve yourself in it? The Lone Ranger Christian thing doesn't work, folks. It does not work. We were not designed to be by ourselves. We were not designed to play John Wayne Christian. You know, pull up our boots and come on, sin, let's take it on. We need one another. We can't make it on our own. We need one another. I'm talking to you. Those of you that think you're the exception to this, listen to me. I'm praying for those who need this the most and for those who think they need it the least. And you know who I'm talking to. I'm not sure, but I can see it in your faces. 
You need other people. It is not just a nuisance. It's not just another program that church is trying to do. It's how, it's how life happens. It's how Christianity is filtered through our lives. We need good friends. We need good friends. We believe that that is so important that if you ask us, what is your adult ministry? That's it. Reminding people they need good friends. Now, let me clarify. We're not responsible for making friends for you. I cannot do that. And, and I've had people make me try to do that since I started in ministry. When the, from the time I was a youth director, my par- the parents would come up, can you take my little middle school kid who everybody hates and find him some friends? No, I can't do that. I can, I can teach him some ways to be a good friend that might attract other people. I can, I can encourage it, but I cannot make friends for you. If you're an obnoxious jerk, you're not going to have friends, and I can't change that for you, okay? Don't put that on me. We're going to talk about how you can make some friends in a minute, but what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a look at a passage. It's from Mark chapter 2, um, second gospel, second chapter. This is a story of a miracle that happens, but in the midst of the miracle is, is a great reminder of Christian friendship. And I'm going to pull two things out of it for us, and I hope it will encourage you. Okay? Chapter 2, verse 1 of Mark. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to him, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him into Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What's he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, and we've never seen anything like this before. As we read this story, of course, the thing that jumps up out to us is that Jesus was able to heal someone, that, it, that he, he changed their life. And just a side note for you, notice the important work he did was not the physical healing. It was the first thing he said. He said, your sins are forgiven. Because if you don't get yourself spiritually, it doesn't matter if you are healed, you're still on the wrong track. He did the important work first and then said, well, if you think that's not that great, let me show you. You dummies, you need a sign. Here you go. Here's your sign. But the important thing I did was, was heal him. But in the midst of this story, I think we get a perfect picture of what Christian friendship is about. The story here is that Jesus returned to his hometown, 
Word was getting out about him. People had heard about the miracles he was doing. They had heard that he was healing people and stuff. People heard that if you got next to Jesus, it changes you. And so people were just all over the house. It was sort of like the gas station down in South Austin where they put the gas on sale and people were just lined up for 30 minutes trying to get gas. It was like the people just were coming from everywhere. And this guy was paralyzed He'd been paralyzed. He couldn't move. He couldn't do anything for himself. But he had four friends who said, you know what? We believe that if we can get you to Jesus, it's going to change you. If we can get you to where you can have an experience with Jesus, your life will never be the same. If we can get to where you can interact with Jesus, it'll change everything. And since you can't do it yourself, we're going to do it for you. So it says that they carried him, they, four of them, they get a cot, they each take a corner, they lay him on the cot, they take him to the thing, they get there. It's too crowded. They can't even get to where they can see Jesus. And a lot of friends would say, hey, you know what? We tried, man. But I, I've got an appointment this afternoon. And, uh, you know, I already missed the pregame. And uh, I, I, I need, I, sorry. Do you want me to call someone else? I'll leave you here. Maybe someone else will take you. No, that's not what it said. This guy had good friends. This guy had the kind of friends that you and I need. When they saw that they couldn't get him in, what is it, what'd they do? It says they dug through the roof to get to Jesus. I mean, remember the setting where, where, at a place where they had sodden roofs. They had a structure and then they would lay sod over them. And so what they did, they climbed up on the roof and dug through. Then they lowered the guy down on ropes right before Jesus. I mean, they they committed uh, destruction of of private property. I mean, they put themselves at risk. They said, we don't care what it takes. We are going to do whatever it takes so that you can get to Jesus. As, as I said, I, I believe that these are the kind of friends that you and I need, and it is something that is so rare. Do you have friends like that? I'm not talking about friends who will loan you a cup of sugar if you need it, or friends that will go out drinking with you when you need it. I, I, need, I mean friends that will do whatever it takes. That if you, it doesn't matter if they put themselves in jeopardy or in in peril. It doesn't matter what time of night it is. It doesn't matter what you're asking them to do. If they think it's going to get you closer to Jesus, if they think it's going to transform your life, they will do it. No matter what. We need friends like this. These are the kind of relationships we have got to have. That, that Lone Ranger Christian thing is lonely and it's frustrating and it leads nowhere because we hit a hard point in our life. Any of you ever gone through difficulties in your life? Get a witness on that, anybody? Okay, the rest of you are lying or you're just too embarrassed to raise your hand. I don't know. What, life is hard, right? Life is hard. And I can read my Bible all I want, and I can learn and memorize and everything, but if I don't have somebody there to remind me of the promise, 
If I don't have somebody there to reinterpret life for me when I get the pity parties going, if I don't have somebody there to encourage me or kick me in the butt or push me when, when I'm in a difficult situation, I'm going to fall away. We need those friends that are willing to pick us up and carry us when we can't do it ourselves. We need those friends that will dig through the roof so that we can get to Jesus. We need those friends that will sacrifice and put themselves at risk and peril for our sake. Even though I'm a pastor, I still need these kind of relationships. And I'm a member of several small group things, but one of them goes back 14 years. When, uh, when I was in the valley, I was just starting as a, a youth director. I'd just come out from being a teacher. I had a group, a couple pastors uh, that invited me to come. They, we would meet together. We would pray together. They would encourage me. And from that time, 14 years later, we still get together. A couple of them have been moved up to the Austin area. So we still get, every other week, we get together for uh, for lunch and to talk. And sometimes that, there's a lot of wine in our, in our group, and it's not the kind you drink, it's the kind we just speak verbally. You know, that's what pastors like to do when they get together. Oh, woe is me, our church is so mad. You know, we, we like to do that. So there's a lot of wine in our, in our uh, group. But those friends, for 14 years, over those 14 years, there have been times where I wanted to quit ministry. There are times when Lori and I were struggling and I didn't know how marriage was going to work. There have been times where I had made mistakes and hurt people in the church and done things I didn't want to do and ended up in a place I didn't want to be. And throughout all of those times, I had that group of guys that I could go to and, and share with and talk to. And they weren't always nice to me. They, they hurt my feelings several times. But they were, they were the kind of friends that were willing to dig through the roof and do the things that they had to do to make sure I was where I needed to be with Jesus. Sometimes that involves saying, David, you're a selfish idiot. No wonder your church is, you're having problems in church because it's all about you. No wonder you're having problems in your marriage. You're not caring about your family. You're putting everything ahead of your family. Of course you're screwed up. No wonder you're not having a, a, a good spiritual commitment. You're not spending enough time reading the scriptures. You're not spending enough time in prayer. They'll, they'll call me. Uh, have you done your Bible study this week? What are you studying? Is it more than two seconds? Is it more than what you're preparing for the sermon to tell other people what they should do? Are you making sure what you... I've got some friends that will dig through the roof for me. I got some friends that will do the hard thing for me. My question is, do you have that? You know, as we have done small groups within the church, common thing that happens is people get their feelings hurt. And first of all, you got to know it takes time to grow relationships. You, you can't move right in, you know, the first meeting and say, oh, well, you're a sinner, you need to, you, you can't, you know, you, you grow trust. But if you don't invest anything, how are you going to have any of those relationships? If you're not willing to risk 
Risk. Risk. If you're not willing to risk hurt, brokenheartedness, disappointment, if you're not willing to risk, how are you going to ever get to the other side? Trust doesn't come in a vacuum. Trust is something that's earned, that's shared. You have to risk to get there. You need some friends like this. This is what we talk about. When we talk about small groups in this church, this is what we are talking about. It's not a model. It's not a program. It is, it is we want you to be in a relationship with some other Christians. We don't care what it looks like. If you were to look at some of the groups that work in our church, they have a lot of different ways that they, they do it. Number one, we've got, we've got some people that went on a mission trip together. That's their common ground. From that mission trip experience, even though they're different people, they're able to, to encourage one and they forged a relationship out of that. We have people that have been on Walk to Emmaus or that kind of experience together. And from that experience, that gives them a common ground that they can meet together and encourage one another. We've got people that their common ground is that they have teenagers and they wonder if there's a God at all. And so they, they meet together and, and share together. We've got, we've got folks that have young children to get, whatever, they, they find some common ground. Sometimes the common ground is that I'm somebody that's looking for Jesus Christ. Even though sometimes our groups are, are formed by, sometimes it's, you, it's hard to figure out what they have in common other than a desire to be in relationship. We're not going to tell you what kind of group, we're just telling you go find a group to be a part of. And the natural inclination is, okay, well, you're going to do that for me, right? And we went down that road. It doesn't work. I can't make your friends for you. I can't. Some of you, I don't even want to be your friend. I can't, I can't do that to someone else. Hey, would you be his friend? I won't, but would you? Here's, here's my big, wonderful wisdom advice for you. If you... Want a friend? Be a friend. If you want a friend, be a friend. If you got teenagers, tell them this. If you got middle school, uh, upper elementary, where they start struggling with this, this is the greatest advice you can ever give them. If you want to have a friend, then be a friend. Because you know what happens? When you transfer from why doesn't everybody like me to how can I how can I think of someone else ahead of myself? It makes you more attractive. If all the world is about you, no one wants to be your friend. If you're able to transform your thinking to where you start thinking about others ahead of yourself, guess what? You're going to have more friends. If you want a friend, be a friend. Okay? If you're looking for a relationship that you can have in the church where you can start, ask. Don't expect me to do it. Don't ask Carly to do it. Don't ask Summer to do it. Find a friend. Ask somebody, hey, I think we have this in common. Would you be willing to meet? We've got resources for it. If you want to get together, we've got a six-week resource that's on DVD. Any moron can run it. You put it in the DVD, and if you'll go through that, it'll, it'll go through for six weeks and tell you how to avoid 90% of the problems that destroy groups. 
Most people don't listen to it, but if you're willing to listen to it, we've got that resource for you. We've got, we've got resources to help you with group. The thing that happens with small groups when we try to do it as a program, everybody's worried about curriculum. Who, do we, who has to be, are you going to make friends that we don't like come in our group? I mean, there's all this weirdness that happens with it. Adults are worse than middle schoolers sometimes, but there's all this weirdness that happens with it. We're saying we don't want to, we're not going to regulate your life. We're just going to tell you, you need friends like that. Go out and find them. Some of you are leaders. And if I was telling you that we were organizing a trip to uh, the the BCS championship and that Texas may be in this, if there would be some of you that would take that mantle man, like that, and you would be running with it. You would have hotels lined up, buses, pit stops. You would know every Conoco that has a two-seater in it so that we could get there. You would take that and run with it. But I give you something spiritually, and it's like, I'm not a leader. All we're saying is you're adults. You need this kind of relationship. Be a friend. Find a friend. Last thing. There's something that is in this passage that you can just skip by, especially in the version we read it in. But if you read some other versions and stuff, and it's, it's unique to this passage. Usually in the miracle stories, a person will come to Jesus, they'll fall before him, the woman with the hemorrhage, the woman well, of Samaria, uh, whatever. And Jesus will say, because of what you've done, I'm going to heal you. Because of your faith, I'm this one is unique. And you can just skip right by it. It's in verse 5, but it says, in our, you have to read a couple different versions to pull this out. But it says, when Jesus spoke to, his, to the man, as they lowered him down, he said, because of your friend's faith, because of what they did for you, I forgive your sin. Because of what they were willing to do for you, I give you this gift. Now, if you have an unbelieving spouse, if you have an unbelieving child, if you have a friend that seems to be going on, this should give you hope that your efforts do matter, that your love does matter. This is why we believe, this is why we can say next week, we believe that we can change the world. Because through our faith, through our love, through our joining the ministry of Jesus Christ, we get to be the hands and feet of God. I want you to think, that: how did God reconcile us? We were far from Him. We were broken. We were sinful. We had nothing to do. How did God do that? He sent Jesus, our friend, to come and be one of us, to walk among us, to join with us, And through that relationship, we are made one with the Father. Guess what the church is called? The body of Christ. And so as the body of Christ, when we go to people who are separated and we love them and honor them and point them to the Father, guess what? Just like through Jesus, we're joined with the Father. Well, when Jesus is a part of who we are and we go to other people, then through us, people can be drawn to God. Through their faith, you're healed. Through your efforts, through your friendship, through your prayers, through your patience, through your encouragement, through your accountability, through your sacrifice, 
you can bring healing. You can bring hope. You can bring transformation. That's our adult ministry. It's a naive plan to trust adults to just go out and do ministry. I know. And we're going to do our best to, to encourage you and to offer you resources. If you need a Bible study, call us. We've got a lot of them we can help you with. If you need help, we've got lots of things to help you. We just need you to take that initial effort to say, you know what, I need a friend. I need to find some friendships. I need to connect. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for coming and meeting us right where we were for being our friend, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we were hard to get along with, even though most times we disappointed you, and yet you still decided to be our friend. You still made every effort and, and sacrifice on our behalf. God, all we're, all, we're, all we're required to do is to take the gift that you gave us and share it with someone else. Will you help each of us to know that we cannot do this by ourselves? Will you help each of us to know that we need one another, that, that the people around here, the people in our community, the, the people we come in, they're a gift from you. And sometimes they're annoying and sometimes it's hard to understand what gift we're getting. But God, they're a gift. It's a way we can draw closer to each other and, and it's a way we can draw closer to you. And I just I, I want to pray right now for this church that in, in, the next, in the next couple months, there are going to be relationships that are bonded. There are going to be friendships that are formed that are not only going to change this place, but they're going to change our community. And, and God, we don't even know. They may change the world. We're going to be that stupid that we're going to trust you, that you're that powerful, God, that you can take our efforts, our naivety, and that you can do amazing things. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.